Lokam be Israel Kemoshe od Navi Umabit Etemunato. In Israel, none arose like Moshe, touched by God, whose visions probed the limits of humanity. In last week's Parsha, Moshe was not even mentioned. So this morning's sermon will be dedicated to Moshe Rabbeinu, the person, the biblical character. So let's first look at some of Moshe's early days. In Shmot chapter 2 we read, Vayar ish mitzri makeh ish ivri me'achav, vayifen cho v'cho, vayar ki ein ish, vayach et ha-mitzri, vayitmenehu b'chol. Sometime after that, when Moshe had grown up, he went to his kinsfolks and he witnessed their labors. He saw what was going on with the Egyptians. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He turned this way and that way. Seeing no one was about, he struck down that Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. Now, most see that as a good thing. I'm not so sure. But for this moment... Let's lift up that Moshe was rooting for the underdog. We also read in chapter 2, a few weeks ago, and the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and they drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Vayavau haroim vayegarshum vayakom Moshe vayoshian vayashk etzonam. And the shepherds came and drove them away the daughters. But Moses, he stood up and he helped them and he watered their flock. Now, both of these events, they occurred before Moshe met God. Now, we learn a very important aspect about Moshe's character from these two early events. We learn that Moshe is reactive. He reacts quickly. He has not yet learned how to take a deep breath, to assess the situation, and gather all the facts. He just goes for it. In chapter 3 of Sefer Shmot, Moshe finally meets God. An angel of Adonai appeared to Moshe in a blazing fire out of a bush. He gazed, there was a bush all aflame, yet the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I need to turn aside to look at this marvelous sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up? On this verse, Ramban writes, Shemitzchila, from the beginning, the divine presence appeared to Moses. But he didn't see the divine presence because he hadn't prepared his heart for prophecy. When he inclined his heart and turned to see, the appearance of the divine was revealed to him, and God called to him from the midst of the bush. The Ramban is saying that God's presence was there from the beginning, but Moshe couldn't see it because he hadn't prepared himself. Or said in other words, he was not ready yet for what he had to do. He didn't look into the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual work that was ahead of him. He was just reacting, no preparation. There was an action and then a reaction. Even at the beginning of chapter 32, embedded in this week's Parsha, 
where we read or we heard the cautionary tale of Cheta Egel, the building of the golden calf, Moshe still exemplifies a form of reactive leadership. Once God realizes what's happening below the mountain, this is what God says to Moshe. Lech red, hurry down, kishichet amcha asher ha'elita me'eretz mitzrayim. Hurry down, go. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have acted basely. God also says, Ra'iti et ha'am am I see that this is a very stiff-necked people. And then God, literally as only God can, says the following. Now let me be that my anger may blaze forth against them and I may destroy them and make of you, just you, Moshe, a great nation. What does Moshe do? He once again just reacts. He doesn't check out the situation. He doesn't go down to see what's happening. Rather, he says to God immediately without gathering anything. He heard what God said. He reacts to it. Let not your anger blaze forth against your people whom you delivered from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Turn from your blazing anger and renounce the plan to punish your people. God said, I'm going to destroy them. Moshe says, no. He doesn't know what's going on. He's not down there. He's on top of the mountain doing who knows what. We don't know. We weren't there. And then Moshe tries a different technique. He gets to the, you know, to that point where he knows it's going to work. He asks God to remember the Brit, the covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And that language God heard. And so God renounced the punishment. That's part A of Moshe. But the story doesn't end there. Moshe does come down the mountain with the tablets in his hands. But then we read that as soon as Moshe came near the camp and he saw the calf and the dancing, he got angry and he threw those tablets from his hands and he shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He's still showing a reactive form of leadership. We don't once read about him saying to his brother Aaron or anyone else, what the heck's going on over here? None of that. The next verse. He took the calf that they had made and burned it. He ground it to powder and he strewed it up on the water. And what did he make the Israelites do? Drink it. And then he yells a few verses later, standing at the gate of the camp, whoever is for Hashem, come with me. He simply reacts. Period. So now let's move ahead to chapter 33. At this point in the narrative, a lot of people had been wiped out, and everyone witnessed the punishment of the golden calf. What does Moshe do? He takes a little personal time. He's sitting outside the camp, by the tent of the meeting, hanging out with God, and this is what he says to God. Re'eh, ata omer elai ha'al et ha'am hazeh, va'ata lo hoda'atani et asher tishlach imi, va'ata amarta yada'ticha b'shem, v'gam matata chen be'enai. Moshe says to God, hey God, you said to me, 
lead this people forward. But you have not made known to me whom you're going to send me with. And further, you have said to me, I've singled you out by name, and you have indeed gained my favor. And then the next verse. This is, this is the one I want to focus on. Ve'ata, and now. Imna matzatichen be'enecha, hodi'eni na etterachecha, ve'edacha leman emsachen be'enecha, or'e ki imcha ha'goi hazeh. Now, if I have truly gained your favor, let me know your ways, that I may know you and continue in your favor. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. Now, I don't want to get into the answer, which is fascinating on its own, but I want to zoom in on that question. For the first time since they've had this real relationship, going back to chapter 2, Moshe says, God, let me know you. Let me in is what Moshe is saying. I want to know what's going on and why it's happening. Rabbi Eli Confer wrote in this week's weekly email from Hadar, Moshe asks to know God's ways, but this is not a philosophical exploration about the nature of God. It's a question with a purpose, as noted by the end of the verse, so that God will see the nation as God's people. Moshe is asking for God to make known the divine aspect that will allow God to return to dwell in the midst of the people. As Dr. Devorah Steinmetz writes, Moshe's request to know God's ways then is not a request for a general knowledge of God, but rather Moses is saying, let me know your ways that will enable you to walk with us. Moshe wants to understand God better. I think Moshe is actually requesting a general knowledge of God. He's trying to uncover all of the facts. Who is this voice? Who is this vision? After all they've gone through so far, Moshe does not actually know who his teammate is. And in this pivotal moment, Moshe moves from being reactive to proactive. Proactive leadership is a preferred form of leadership in most situations. Now, last week, I shared with you that when I was in Israel last month, I went with Israel Bonds. Many, many Israel Bonds have been bought for me. Thank you, Bobby and Zeta. I have used them in Israel. Once again, thank you, Bobby and Zeta. I have bought bonds for others. I have visited Israel with the Israel Bonds rabbinic delegation now twice, and I am on the Rabbinic Advisory Council of Israel Bonds. And then the big and. By now, most of you have heard that the Israeli finance minister, Bitzalel Smotrich, is expected to be in the United States next week for a national Israel Bonds conference. If to jog your memory, he's the one who said, that Israel should wipe out the Palestinian town of Huara in the West Bank after a terrorist shot dead two Israelis. 
As of Wednesday, senior Biden administration officials declined an invitation to speak at the conference because Smotrich will be there. And to say that I am uncomfortable by him speaking is an understatement. But I decided not to be reactive like Moshe's early days and fly to DC on Tuesday for the conference in order to picket and demonstrate like many left organizations and American Israelis are expected to do. Instead, I was proactive. I reached out to my colleague, Rabbi Martin Pasternak, the National Director of Synagogue and Rabbinic Activities, and we had a long conversation where, understandably, he could not say much. And then early this week, Reb Steve and I spent 30 minutes on Zoom with Raquel Savati, the CEO of Israel Bonds Canada. We shared that we understand that Israel Bonds cannot uninvite their boss, which is what the finance minister is, but that we did expect our message to be shared. And our message was very clear, that this man is a racist, and the impact of the rhetoric and policy of this one man is having a deep impact on the diaspora Jewish community. And it is not a good one. Rabbi Wernick and I did our due diligence as leaders. We made our voices heard. We said to Israel Bonds, like Moshe does in this week's Parsha, let us know your ways. Both Rabbi Pasternak and the CEO of Israel Bonds Canada, understandably, could not say much in response to us. But they heard us. By Thursday, I was sent talking points from Israel Bonds, so I'll share just one. But I want you to hear it. Israel Bonds is an independent financial organization based in the U.S. It does not endorse and it, does not, it is not associated with any political party, administration, individual, or ideology. As we work directly with the finance ministry each year, we invite them to attend and speak in our events. We have hosted many finance ministers over the years, regardless of the administration or political affiliation. Now, Neither Reb Steve nor I are going to stop supporting Israel. We are going to continue purchasing Israel bonds. We are going to continue purchasing Israel bonds. But our message to Israel bonds is that they must convey the impact of Smotrich's leadership on a diaspora community. On Wednesday, the finance minister did apologize for calling for the Palestinian village of Huara to be wiped out by the state of Israel. He claimed that he did not realize that his remarks, which sparked protest by dozens of Israeli Air Force pilots, would be interpreted as a military order. No comment. Smotrich's reactive leadership style has caused deep damage to Israel, and Israel's image to the diaspora jury, and quite frankly, the world, and of course, it made it to the New York Times. 
Now I get that even Moshe started off as reactive. We just went through a number of examples. But the finance minister, one who is learned in Torah, should have learned from Moshe's growth and transition into a proactive leader instead of modeling his earlier behavior. Shabbat Shalom.